Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers. And I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. So today we're going to actually hear from a assistant director of admissions, Skylar Adams, who works at Northwestern University. Skylar and I chatted about gap years from the college admissions perspective, which is something that is a little bit elusive to a lot of people. Everybody wants to know, what do colleges think of the gap year? And that's what Skylar and I tend to unpack, at least from Northwestern's perspective. And I kind of fill in some of the gaps of what I know from working with other colleges. So it's a really fascinating interview. And it's something I know anyone planning their gap year is worried about. Am I going to be able to defer? How is this going to affect my admission into college? So what a wonderful resource for those that are looking into this option. Definitely. So if you're taking a gap year and planning to go to a college afterwards, this is a great episode for you. All right. Well, let's get started. Thanks for being here. Assistant Director of Admissions at Northwestern University, and he has graciously agreed to come on the show to talk to us about how taking a gap year dovetails with college admissions. So thank you so much for being here, Skylar, and thanks for taking the time to talk. Yeah, thanks so much for having having me. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So let's go right into it. I mean, I heard you speak for the first time last year at a gap year fair in Chicago, and you were really eloquent about speaking from the college perspective. And I do know that, you know, Northwestern's policies are not indicative of every college's policies, but I feel like you're going to give us a really good insight as to what colleges are thinking about the gap year. So in your mind and in Northwestern's, you know, from their policy standpoint, what do you think is the benefit that colleges are seeing in gap years? We're seeing a lot of colleges coming out with formal deferral policies, creating grants Mm -hmm. specifically for gap year students and things like that. And why do you think that's a growing trend? Speaking from our our perspective here at Northwestern, um, you know, we haven't quite gone all the way to the the side of things where we're like actively encouraging students to to take these gap years, but certainly it's something that we're, we're open to when students make these requests. And I mean, for me, I think there's really two big things that, that have led to this one, most of these students who are having these gap years, as long as they're well thought out, um, a lot of times they're doing these these really cool, unique experiences, whether that's, you know, a global opportunity where they're they're gaining this really cool global perspective or, or maybe it's having this dynamic professional experience. Um, I think on the one hand, these are things that, that these students are going to bring back to campus, which is exciting. A lot of those things are in line with the things we're hoping to foster for our students here. So certainly having students who come in with that perspective all, already, I think that enhances the learning experience for other students and for them. And also I think it, it leads students to a place of maturity that we don't always see when students come straight from high school into college. Um, having the opportunity to take a year to learn more about yourself, to you know, discover some of these skills if, if you're doing a program where, where you're living on your own maybe for the first time and maybe you're, you're living abroad or something like that. I mean, there's there's some maturity that's going to happen that, that not every student comes with. And I think most colleges and universities, it's like, yeah, well, of course we want that. These are these are really positive things. And I think there's a lot of growth that, that can help the experience while they're here, too. Yeah. And I think there's a couple different ways to go about 
being a you know a college bound student and taking a gap year some students i know don't end up applying to college during their senior year of high school but i think that the best practice that i hear about from from college advisors and school counselors is that the ideal situation is to apply your senior year to college and then defer from your top choice school that you get into is that is that northwestern's policy and and thinking about it too and if so what do you feel like is the ideal process that a student undertakes yeah that's definitely the way i would advise a student to go about it um you know, certainly we do see the cases where a student will take a gap year and then go through the application process, but I think it's definitely beneficial for the student to do this process while they're a senior in high school. Um, the decisions that I'm making as an application reviewer, they're, they're based on this experience you had in high school primarily. Mm-hmm. And having the student have that proximity to their experience in high school, I think is gonna help them, A, when they're requesting things like letters of recommendation, gaining access to transcripts, all that good stuff. I, I mean, you're there, so, so that makes it easier. Uh, but then certainly certainly for an institution, you know, we like to have that, that peace of mind that, that this student's going to go have this worthwhile experience and then come back to us at the end of this. So, so yeah, I definitely would say that's the process. And again, I mean, it happens where a student will apply after the fact. Um, but I think all around, it's beneficial for the student and for the institution to, to know that going into the gap year experience. Yeah, sometimes I hear the question from students or parents, will a gap year help me get into college? Or mm-hmm. will it help me get into a better school? How would you respond to that? I think that's tough. Um, at the end of the day, you know, for us, for example, like academic standards have to be there. We take this holistic approach to application review, but but certainly the academic piece, I mean, that's not going to change through a gap year experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ultimately, yeah, I mean, we want to evaluate a student based on what they've done in those four years in high school. I think that there have been cases where, you know, when you think about this holistic process and your essay and the things you're able to speak to and the experiences you're able to talk about, uh, yeah, I mean, those are things you're going to be able to add to an application. But in the same veil, you can add those when you're uh, applying in advance. So, you know, being able to speak about this experience you're going to have, for example, um, I still think you can you can kind of leverage those in an application process. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would always advise a student to apply first and then you can talk about this gap year you're planning on having as opposed to, you know, kind of hoping that this gap year is going to cover up some areas in an application that maybe aren't as strong. Um, and making the decision to apply after the fact because you think that will help your chances. Because I think more times than not, um, you're going to see more benefits the other way. Yeah. And, you know, something that I've often thought about is that I think the last thing that we want to do is to kind of have the reason for people taking a gap year to be associated with getting into college. I feel like that, right. that starts yeah. to that starts to chip away at the really genuine nature of why people tend to take gap mm. time. And so from what I hear from missions counselors, I think that people who take the initiative to do something very, very interesting on their gap time, it can't help but set them apart, but it's taking a gap year in of itself is not going to set you apart, right? So right, I think exactly. that it still has to come from a, from a really genuine and interesting place. Like if you're interested in the world, you're going to be an interesting person and people will notice that, but you shouldn't just try to mm-hmm. craft yourself in the, in the vision of what people might think would be an ideal gap year. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's true with, you know, with every aspect of the, the application, even when students come to ask me about extracurriculars and things like that. Um, ultimately, 
we're hoping that these things are more intrinsically motivated and not motivated in a way to like game the system to better position yourself. Um, and I'm sure for you all, I mean, that creates a more fruitful experience uh, on the gap you're in too. And you want, you want students who are doing it for the right reasons as well, I'm sure. Definitely. And I think that it's actually one of the things I have to work with my students the most on is, is when we first start working together, I get a lot of questions about how competitive is this program or what happens if I don't get into this program? And mm -hmm. it's actually not the case with most gap year programs, unless they're a funded opportunity or a scholarship or something like that. They're not competitive in the same way that co the college process is competitive. And that mm -hmm. takes a lot of explaining because really what they want to see is motivation or basic ability to engage with the activities of the program and, and, enthusiasm right so sure. uh, it's just a different different measure of of um, appropriate candidacy right so it's just it's, mm -hmm. it's really interesting definitely definitely so assuming that a student goes the path that you're recommending and applies their senior year and does the things and oh my gosh they get into northwestern yay and that's their top choice school um what's the deferral process at, at your school yeah, so it's pretty straightforward. Um, we're going to ask you to make the request in writing, um, and that can be done via email. You would email our director. Um, and then as far as what to include, I mean, we want to, you know, with all of this, and I think this is kind of a recurring theme of this conversation, I'm sure the things that you articulate to your students, but planning is so important in this process and, and having mm -hmm. a really well thought out plan um, and being able to articulate that to us to show us there's some intentionality behind it, I think is an important piece. So, so writing this letter, um, and again, it can be done via email and, and talking a little bit about what the program is that you're hoping to do, but then also why why you want to take part in this program and take a year away from the institution. Those are kind of the big pieces. Um, yeah, it, usually if it's a pretty well thought out request, um, you know, going back to some of the benefits we talked about earlier, it's it's pretty rare in my understanding that, that those don't get approved. Um, again, as long as the student's really putting in that intentionality to think about the type of program they want to do and why they want to do it. Yeah, and and you also put down deposit as part of it, right, to secure your spot. You would probably do that first. Yes. So you'd get in, right. put down deposit, and then write your deferral letter, correct? Correct, yep. Great. Um, and then what, I mean, something that happens sometimes on gap time is that you've produced this letter that has a plan, and gap years are notorious for things going, things going differently than according to plan. So should a student get stressed out or anxious if they change the second half of the year and it's suddenly not what they had listed as their activities in the deferral letter? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think on our end, we would want you to, to keep us in the loop um, if, that, if that's happened. But if we have approved your deferment, to my understanding, we, I don't think we would revoke that approval. Um, but again, we want you to keep us in the loop. Yeah, if there's a pretty drastic change in terms of what you told us you were going to be doing and what you ultimately end up doing. That's something we want to be aware of. Um, but typically that space is going to be held if, we, if we've already offered that to you. Yeah. Usually what I see is not someone doing some really cool things and then suddenly not doing anything at all. Yeah. It's usually just a shift of, oh, well, you know what? I actually really enjoyed my time in Guatemala. Instead of going to India after Guatemala, I'm going to go back to Guatemala and stay there for the next six months or something. like. It's usually something along those lines. They discover something that they want to right. delve deeper into or they pivot um, instead of just sure. doing what they had intended to do. Sure. And, and yeah, and that's a great example because that looks a lot different than a student saying, yeah, for example, they're going to go spend some time in Guatemala and they end up 
taking a class at their local community college instead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's going to look really different compared to what we ultimately agreed on initially. Um, so yeah, usually, particularly if it's a pivot to another similar program, I, I don't think there would be any issue with that. Right. So a lot of students who want to take gap time are worried about the financial implications of, I mean, mm-hmm. co- the cost of the gap year itself, but also as it pertains to financial aid and scholarships. So I have sure. some specific questions for you about that stuff, but is there like a general overview you would give us about kind of how FAFSA and scholarships and all that stuff kind of feeds into deferring your admission? You know, one thing I would encourage any student who's considering this type of experience, you want to talk to the institution, right? Because no two institutions are going to operate completely the same when it comes to this. I, I've been fortunate enough to work for a couple of different schools, and, and I know processes vary for things like this depending on the institution you're at. Um, for us, when thinking about FAFSA, we are a school that meets 100% of demonstrated need. Um, and so what that means is when you're applying for FAFSA, Uh, and and you fill out this form and you fill out the CSS profile, which is a supplemental form, you're going to get a number called the EFC, the Expected Family Contribution, which Mm -hmm. is essentially how much the government us were saying you should be able to contribute to your college experience. Uh, Because we're a school that meets 100% of demonstrated need, we we cover the rest, right? Um, These these are forms that you would have to complete every year, at least the FAFSA form you would have to complete every year and, and update your estimated family contribution. Um, but because we are a school that meets 100% of demonstrated need, the only thing that would that would change your financial aid package, um, you know, from the year you initially applied to, to the year that you would actually come to campus after your gap year experience, the only thing that would change that for us would be if there's been any changes to your family's financial situation. You know, how that would play out with a school that offers like academic merit aid and things like that, that's a question that you would want to ask um, that institution's financial aid office. But as far as the need-based aid from us, that's going to that's gonna be the same because you're going to have to reapply for that every year anyways. Right. And I, one way that I have heard that it can change that is, uh, you know, n- that doesn't have to do with jobs and things like that is that if another sibling ends up either edging mm-hmm. out of college mm-hmm. life or edging into college life. So that can kind of, I think, benefit you or not benefit you depending on how that works. Because if you have like two kids in college, that changes the FAFSA forms rather than if you if your sibling is like graduating college after you take a gap year or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. So that's certainly something that could happen. Um, So, you know, not being a financial aid expert necessarily. (laughs) um, I I always (laughs) encourage folks to talk to the financial aid office. But I mean, essentially what happens is when you get that EFC, that expected family contribution, if if you have two students who are in college at the same time. Um, you know, that expected family contribution is going to get cut in half for both of those students um, because you're paying two tuitions, not just one, right? So if one of those students leaves college and you're entering after your gap year in that first year where that student's, is, that student's going to be out of college, then yeah, you might see like, oh, wow, my EFC is doubled compared to last year. But that's because there's not the expense for the other student attending. Mm-hmm. And then the vice versa is true if, you know, both are enrolled and, and they weren't initially, but then now they are post gap year. Um, then you might see, well, my EFC is a lot lower now. It's because essentially you're calculating that contribution for, for two tuitions instead of one. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. One other situation that I've heard happen is, um, you know, people tend to uh, advise against you know, just earning as much money as you can over the course of a gap year or taking money just to save for college, because Mm. that could also change that that FAFSA form 
um, to your detriment. Um, because if you just if you save fifteen or twenty thousand dollars over the course of your gap year, that could be a significant amount that you get, uh, you know, tagged for in the on the forms. Yeah, that's a that's another great point. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have to be typically it would need to be something that's pretty substantial. So yeah, like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars that you've saved up over this gap year experience. Certainly, that could also impact what your financial aid looks like because now you know, that's more income that that's being evaluated in that estimated family contribution. So, so certainly that could, that could change things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, so for you guys, do you have, um, like in-house merit-based scholarships? And if so, would, would those be the types of things that would just defer along with your admission? Yeah. So that's one of the things that, that truthfully, I just, I personally can't speak as much to because we're an institution that doesn't offer academic merit aid. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our aid is based on need, which is an initiative that, that we went to a, a few years ago, um, A, because of where our academic standards are, but also as an initiative to, to make this a more affordable place for, for all students. So certainly that's, mm-hmm. that's a question you'll want to ask as you're planning for this type of experience. Talk to your admission officer at the institution that you're attending. Talk to the financial aid office. Um, because, yeah, it's possible there would be merit implications, but I, I just personally would not be an expert on that. Sure. Yeah. And in in my very, you know, somewhat limited experience, I've heard that it tends to be that if they are, you know, private scholarships run through the college that they they often do defer along with your admission because that they know that 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 money can be set aside for you for the following year. Um, It's it's, you know, tends to be some of the the public scholarships or, you know, federal federal monies that can can be the thing that changes a little bit in the greater package. Yeah, and another thing to think about too is that you know students who are getting like private scholarships outside of the university, um, you know, as far as how if if you received a, a private scholarship based on something that you applied for, um, mm. that's a conversation you probably want to have with that organization that's providing that money as well too. Of you know, is this good for only one year? Um, is this something that carries over from year to year? And whether or not taking this year off would hinder that because usually they have a limited amount of those those uh, scholarships that they're able to give these organizations so that would be another piece of advice i would offer to a student certainly yeah that's that's a good point so you know one one thing that a lot of families want to know is is it okay to earn college credit on your gap year there's a lot of programs um, especially the more expensive ones uh, tend to have an affiliation agreement and offer some sort of credit even organizations mm-hmm. like Knowles that do you know rock climbing and outdoor expeditions have sure, college credit sure. available so what is Northwestern's fo- policy on that like can you earn any credit on your gap time or is it a pure kind of non-academic deferral that that's you know acceptable yeah, so it has to be a non-academic experience. So we actually, when when we respond to a student who's requested deferral, we explicitly say in the letter uh, that you cannot receive academic credit elsewhere and transfer that back to the institution when you come. So again, you know, and I know I probably sound like a broken record. This may vary <laughs> institution to institution, but for us, this is the policy that we have. Yeah, and I would say that that's that's pretty common. Um, something you might or you might see a college might allow you to to you know they might accept up to X amount of credits, but it's usually sure. m- much less less than a semester's worth over the course of a whole year. So it's not very many, but sometimes okay. it's enough that you can get a requirement out of the way if you're taking a foreign language on your gap year or something like that. So it can be a little bit helpful, but increasingly there's you know other colleges that if they are having you know, maybe decline in enrollment and they're looking for creative solutions, they they are more 
receptive to the idea of accepting credit and transferring in as a second semester freshman or even a sophomore, depending on Mm. what you do on your gap time. But that's, again, case by case basis, you know, on the schools. I think that it kind of depends on honestly how competitive the college is as to what they're doing in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. I mean, I look at us and we accept very, very limited transfer credit. Um, You know, if a student does like a dual enrollment type program, something like that, typically if they're receiving credit from another institution, we don't transfer that credit over. So, you know, for us, we just tend to be a little bit more strict when it comes to that. But certainly, yeah, other institutions, it sounds like they probably operate differently. Uh, But I think you're right probably the more competitive the institution, maybe the, the stricter they would be on that policy. So um, can you tell me a little bit more about your personal journey to college admissions and how you got to where you are? <laughs> now that we've talked all about the, we've do- talked our business, what, what can you tell me about yes. your own professional journey? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, uh, I personally went to a small private liberal arts college, a school called Hope College in Holland, Michigan. Um, and I was studying to be a teacher, thought I was going to teach English. That was the plan. Um, but truthfully something, it never totally felt like the right fit, but it was something I had started, you know, doing from my, my first year and, um, just kind of stuck with, maybe I would have benefited from a gap year experience to explore what I wanted to do more. But, um, towards the end of my time, like a lot of people who end up in this field, I took a job as a tour guide and, kind of fell in love with this whole college admission process and helping students navigate this process. And so when I when I graduated, there was a position that opened up in the admissions office and I was preparing to student teach fall of a fifth year, but I was like, if I get this job in admissions, I'll take that. I'll just get my degree in English um, and we'll go from there. And I was fortunate enough to get it. Worked in their admissions office for, for two years um, before moving to Chicago, where I took a position as the coordinator of recruitment and marketing for an off-campus program called Chicago Semester. Um, so got to kind of dabble in the off-campus experience realm mm-hmm. um, and did that for a couple years, but but really was missing college admissions and, and kind of the access side of things and, and helping students navigate this complicated admissions process. So I ultimately decided to go back to grad school um, and went to Northwestern and got my master's degree in higher education administration and ended up taking a position in the Northwestern admissions office. And um, yeah, I've been here for two years, entering my third recruitment cycle. Um, Yeah, and and still feel like this is kind of the calling for me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So thankful that that I'm in the field. That's really great. And I think that it's interesting because I think to some to some people who are in the process, someone like you holds a lot of cachet and power, I, you know, because, you know, you're holding the, the fates of students in your hands. Do you mm. do you feel that pressure when like you're talking to families? Are they um, are you noticing a trend in just the the kind of high stakes nature that it feels like to be applying to college these days? And do you have any advice for people who are in the belly of the beast right now? Yeah. I do feel that pressure. Um, I think what I feel, you know, most as someone who didn't go to a highly selective institution, you know, where I went for undergrad and where I worked, our acceptance rate, I think was like 72%. And now working for an institution where we have an 8% acceptance rate. Um, yeah, the, the pressure feels more tangible um, that's on our students. And, you know, I think the thing I always try to tell students, and I think the way that I've really kind of seen my 
my calling within this particular job is to help students realize that that there are so many great schools and great programs out there. Um, mm. And, you know, with a place like Northwestern, if you're somebody who's truly a viable candidate for a school like Northwestern, like, you are going to be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, every year I say no to hundreds of students, literally, that could come here and be successful and have an awesome experience. Um, you know, we're a privileged school. We, we get to craft a class, and not every institution gets to do that, and we're lucky we get to. Um, and the, the beautiful side of that is that we get to bring in a lot of diversity in terms of interests and backgrounds and, and things we're able to create on this campus. Um, but the, the sad part of that is that we can't do that for everyone and not everyone gets to come. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, for these students that put so much pressure on themselves for this one institution or this one program, um, you know, ultimately you're going to be okay. You're going to find an amazing school that wants you to be a part of their campus. And I think that's true too when you were talking about you know, students thinking that maybe a gap year experience will make them more marketable to an institution. And, and my big thing is do what makes you happy as far as extracurriculars, these types of programs, even courses to an extent. Um, and then put your best foot forward and be at an institution that's going to be the right fit for you. I think that's kind of the, the important piece. So that's what I usually say. Um, but I also understand I'm not Seventeen-year-old going through this process right now, so the pressure is not on me, and I, I I want to acknowledge that I that I understand that too. Sorry, I'm gonna gonna mute myself for a second while I get rid of this phone call. No, no worries. Telemarketers, I swear. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things that I always notice from students who take meaningful gap time is that when they come back, their perspective is so much altered. It's they're so much more down to earth in knowing how their college experience will fit into their life. And it seems yeah. like there's just a, a lot more. They get it, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that it's really hard to see the forest through the trees when you are being told um, for four years or more in your high school experience that like you need to get into college and it needs to be the best one. Right. And, right. Um, and also to, to some extent, you know, sidelining students who may not be bound for a four year school or a competitive school. Sure. Um, and I think that in general, you know, I think that one of the things I love about gap time is that it's, it's, it's so inclusive, whether you are bound for Northwestern or you're bound for a different school. And I think that that's um, really what's very cool about the experience is that it's a, kind of a democratized um opportunity for for young people um both you know financially in that there's lots of programs for all different types of, of folks um no matter your budget but also mm -hmm. in that idea of you know we can teach people that they can go great places um you know with with their with a wonderful education from northwestern or with a wonderful self-education um through the school of life right <laughs> right yeah, yeah definitely yeah i uh yeah i had a um uh, an essay I was reading this past year, actually, um, and just kind of speaking to that idea of like gaining this perspective. There mm -hmm. was a student who did a gap year experience, and she um, had gone to the the border along Texas and was working as like a midwife there. Wow! And she wrote this essay about her experience there, and I, honestly, to this day, like it gives me chills to think of it. It was one of the most beautifully written essays that I've I've ever read, and, and this experience completely changed her life and her outlook on what she wanted to do. Um, and you know, as someone who doesn't have a ton of experience with gap year, I didn't do one. Um, 
I, I truthfully, you know, only advise a handful of students every year on, on what this process would look like. Um, but reading that essay, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I, I get this. I get why students do this. I get why this is an important thing. And um, I think for those students who are still trying to discern what they're supposed to do in life, um, these types of experiences can certainly help to validate that for them, I think. Yeah, that's such a that's a really great story. And I think that that's one of my favorite things about talking to people who work with gap year students, even if it's only a handful every year, is that there tends to be these kind of things that you remember from them. And um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool. I, I am curious. and I think this this is my last question for you. You know, if the gap year is kind of slowly gaining traction, gaining popularity, I think that people are starting to see the value in it, both, um, you know, students who are bound for um, IVs or, or more competitive schools often take gap years because they they need a little bit of space after a pretty um, intense high school experience. And whereas mm-hmm. others need to take gap time because they just don't know what they want to do or sure. maybe they have, you know, some um, emotional or mental health or learning differences that they're working through and that kind of thing um but hypothetically you know if if in like five years all of a sudden 10 percent or 20 percent of incoming freshmen at northwestern were requesting deferrals and that your your incoming freshman class ended up being significantly um gap year post gap year students um how, how do you think that that would change the makeup of of your classes and do you feel like it could ever be that many people or you feel like it's never going to get that popular <laughs> Oh man, that's a great question. Um, man, yeah. I well, I mean, a couple of thoughts. So yeah, you said you said if like twenty to thirty percent, right, was like requesting mm-hmm. this this gap year experience. Um, I mean, I think from yeah, I think from an institution standpoint, like we would probably you know, have to revisit our, our approval process. I mean, I (laughs) could see that becoming a case where we became a little bit stricter in terms of, you know, how many of these we approve for per year. And, Mm. um, maybe there would be a more detailed application process to, to apply for deferral and things like that. Um, I also wonder how, you know, an institution might respond by like providing these experiences themselves you know mm-hmm. like making these available to students through the institution like Princeton um, does or some other schools sure exactly yeah some institutions certainly have gone this way um already but I think yeah if you're seeing numbers that high clearly if we're truly an institution that wants to meet students where they are and, and assess student needs I would say well you know just shy of half of your students are requesting this like yeah this is something that students want to do and, and they're seeing the merit in um so yeah I mean that would be my my initial thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. Currently, it's above my pay grade to make those decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I'd let somebody else handle that. But yeah, I mean, it's a good thing. And, and you know, your question of, of whether or not I could see that happening, I just, I don't know if at an institution like this, it would, I think, yeah, I mean, I think people, you know, in a lot of these schools like that, they're kind of groomed for this type of higher ed experience. And I think students are excited mm-hmm. to start that. And I think, I do think that we offer a lot in that first year experience. It still caters to those students who are looking for more exploration and, and things mm. like that through our first year mm-hmm. seminar courses. And some of those have a travel experience attached to them and things like that. So um, I would be pretty surprised if we ever saw numbers like that here, but you know, on a more national level, who knows? Um, yeah, you would probably yeah. be better at predicting that than me based on trends and where <laughs> numbers have, have gone over the you know, last so many years. 
Yeah, well, there's there's a third. You know, there are some things that we're trying to do as an industry to create more accessibility in gap years. So creating a route for students to be able to use FAFSA money towards gap year programs is one mm, route. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are transfer and, and college implications for that kind of thing. So that's it's it's a tricky it's tricky. Um, but right. there's definitely if that happens, if that happens in a widespread way, it would create so much more access for people to have experiential education gap year opportunities available to them, which would be really mm-hmm. exciting. Um, and then the other th- way that I could see the gap year scaling is through national service opportunities. And if we had a more um, holistic kind of national service bill or real push to get people involved um, with with civil, civil service, um, which I think would also be really powerful as a, as a nation, um, we could see kind of bigger numbers of students engaging in that, which would be really neat, too. Yeah. So too. Yeah. I mean, I think it all goes to different experiences are the right fit for different students. Right. Um, Right. And I think certainly, you know, I think a lot of students can benefit from a gap year experience, particularly because there's so much diversity within the things that students can do. But then I think there are also those students that benefit from, you know, kind of going gun ho with their, their college experience and starting right away. And, um, yeah, I think think that was my sister. My sister was not a gap year candidate. You know, she was like, like she was loves the library. She's a total like she's just so academically minded, um, you know. So I think that that's so valid too. Is that you know a gap year is not mm. going to be the thing for everybody, but it's definitely I think totally an experience that probably more people than are currently taking advantage of it should consider taking advantage of. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. yeah, I agree, and I think that's the great thing is that there are options, so many options for students, and the more things like this that we have to help highlight those options for students, the better, I think. Definitely. Well, Skylar, thank you so much again for being here and sharing your perspective um, as a, from the, from the admissions office, um, very <laughs> secret cloistered, secretive yes. place. Top, um, top secret. Yes. Top secret. I know we got you. We got you on recording now. So <laughs> I know so got case. me sweating over here a little bit. <laughs> Well, we will, um, you know, be revisiting this. Uh, I'm sure that lots of counselors and parents and students are going to be listening to get some more information about how this, um, how the gap year experience ties in with college admissions. So thank you for helping clarify some things. It's really helpful. Of course. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And um, yeah, for every student who's out there listening and still trying to figure out what the right fit is for them. um, I wish you all the best of luck. 